I have made it okay not to be okay. You know, that you don't have to um, just do it because it's on your list and you're supposed to. That if you're having some mental or kind of emotional a challenge, it is okay to say, hey, I need a break. Welcome to Hope Renewed. Helping you find new hope when ministry leaves you hopeless. The Hope Renewed Podcast is brought to you by PIR Ministries. Here are your hosts, Tom Jameson and Sean Nemechek. Well, today on Hope Renewed, our guest is Cedric Barrett. Cedric, welcome to Hope Renewed. Yeah, welcome, Cedric. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, and this is this is kind of a unique uh, conversation we're going to have, Sean. Uh, I'm going to be treating you a little differently today um, right. because you have a, a neat relationship with with Cedric. Real quickly, just kind of outline your relationship with Cedric. Oh boy, Cedric and I are good buddies. Uh, <laughs> we we've been uh, coaching together uh, for two and a half years, and uh, it's been my privilege to serve as his clergy coach and friend over that time. Mm, and that's so great. We're going to dig into that a little bit. And also, uh, Cedric, uh, you are a bivocational pastor. Yes. And we want to dig into that uh, a little bit as well. But if, if you would, just introduce yourself to our listeners and and tell us a little bit about your ministry journey. Yes. Yes, Tom. Thank you so much. Um, I currently pastor in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, I've been pastoring now for 10 years. Um, also work as the chief financial officer for the YMCA of Southeastern North Carolina. Um, and it's been a good but yet challenging journey. Um, I'm the also the founder and the senior pastor. So which means when we founded this church back in 2012, um, it was just me, my wife, my kids, and probably three other families. Um, and so, you know, you can imagine all the arduous hard work that it takes, you know, pioneering, um, a church. And so, um, like I said, we are about 10 years old, um, and we have grown, um, I would say 80% of our congregation is between the ages of 25 and 45. Wow. So we kind of have that young millennial, um, audience. Um, and so, yeah, it's just been, you know, a great time. Yeah. And you're a bivocational pastor. So uh, just wanted to hit on that a little bit at first. Tell us a little bit about your, your marketplace job with the YMCA um, and how you decided, at least for in this season of your life, why bo- bivocational <laughs> ministries for you? <laughs> Very good question, Tom. Um, I guess for me, when I first founded the church, um, you know, you're trying to build your your congregation. And so the finances or the resources there for a full-time pastor um, can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so luckily I've been blessed with a with a role um, that gives me the kind of flexibility I need um, that I can work, work from home. Um, I can maybe take off sometimes during the day, finish up work at night. Um, and so it was a good fit for me at that time. Mm-hmm. I think one of the blessings is that um, I've been able to take a lot of the resources and pour them back into the church um, mm-hmm. because a lot of them wasn't needed to, you know, take care of me. 
Um, and so I think that's been one of the, the one of the blessings. But I think we've grown to the point now where hopefully sometime soon here it'll be time <laughs> to make a transition. That's something me and Sean are talking about. Um, a good coaching topic. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah, we've been having a lot of conversations around that one, haven't we? Hey, and, Cedric, can, can we back up just a little bit? Um, I, I'm just curious, how did you decide to go into ministry? What was your, your sense of calling into pastoral ministry? Um, I was not really raised in church. Um, I became a Christian when I was 15. Um, and, you know, I kind of grew up in a single parent home. And I'll never forget, um, I was sitting sitting in church and the uh, minister said, God can be your father. And that just grabbed me. Mm-hmm. And I I thought, well, God can be your father. Like you can talk to God like a father. You can ask him questions like a father. He'll lead you. He leads you like a father. Um, and so um, I got saved, you know, that that day um, and really just was on fire, on fire for God. It was funny because my 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 wife, her and I actually met at 14. And so mm. she's so she's the one that brought me with her. Um, and so whenever um, I was there and just heard God was father, it grabbed my heart. Um, I preached my first message when I was 17 um years old um i started a bible class when when i was in in college which was interesting because i guess i was somewhat um pastoring before i was pastoring right um mm-hmm. because in college um that bible that bible ministry grew from just me and one other person to about 65 students mm-hmm. um and it just kind of blossomed from there yeah mm-hmm. so so you um, picked up uh, your bivocational role from a sense of being called to ministry uh, as opposed to already being in, in a secular job and then going into ministry out of that. Is that accurate to say? Yeah, um, I've kind of always had that sense that um, at some point in time, God was going to call me the pastor. I didn't think mm-hmm. it was if, it was just when. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what really caught me <laughs> was this is funny. What really caught me is that I was at uh, work one day. Um, God, this is probably um, before I was before I was pastoring. And mm-hmm. one of my coworkers, they would always love to come and just talk to me. And they would just talk to me and they would just tell me about their problems. And they was like, hey, can you pray for me? And I'm sitting there talking to them and they're crying during during work. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, you know what? Something's going on here. We and went so, off the page here. <laughs> I know, right? So I think just God's kind of been leading me that way um, mm-hmm. probably ever since I was 15. So you're a you're a pastor who works in the secular world as opposed yes. to <laughs> right. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah, said that well. Yeah. 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 Said that well. What what do you think is the biggest challenge of bivocational ministry for you? Oh, um, where do I start? Um, yeah. I think for me, and and Sean has really helped helped me with this, is sometimes the guilt that you feel, mm-hmm. meaning that you don't feel that you can um, be present like you think you should, meaning that when it comes to managing your time, energy. Um, Sometimes you feel like I should be giving more 
And especially if you look at those pastors who are full time, um, you start to think, well, maybe I'm not as good as them or maybe I'm not doing as good as the job as them because they have more time. They can really commit to it. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing is just kind of getting over the getting over kind of that guilt, realizing that God has you right where he has you for this season. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is probably managing time, because anytime you have to give, you know, 40 plus hours to a job, um, then you have to, you know, pastor as well, trying to figure out, okay, how do I do this? When do I have my sermon prep time? Mm. When do I cast vision to my team? Mm. When do I train my team? Um, Events, Mm. just on and on and on. So that's probably been the biggest challenge is just managing the time and the schedule, not to mention, you know, your husband, your father, (laughs) all that other stuff, all that other stuff. Um, (laughs) And then something Sean has been very helpful with. And then there's the self-care. Mm-hmm. How do you take care of you? Yeah, so, I would say yeah. That's probably just been the the biggest uh, challenge for me. Yeah, one of, one of the things we really encourage pastors on when we talk with them is this idea of rhythm and yes. having good rhythms. And just it just sounds like that's a real challenge when you've got a a huge chunk of a job that's just sitting in there. Yeah. It is. So before we get into uh, our coaching uh, and what what that's been like, I'm I'm just curious. A lot of bivocationals bivocational pastors will say they work two full-time jobs. Uh, was that you early on? Let me say yes, yes, and yes again. Um, <laughs> that's how you, okay, if if I can be honest here, because I think we, we can be honest. Um, I, there was about a three or four year period where I had, I looked back and said, I didn't have a weekend free. Like, you know how normal people, they work Monday through Friday and then their weekend is their weekend. For me, that's not the case. Mm. And so I felt that my days, my weeks, my months were just running into each other Um, because you're right. It's a full time job. And so, you know, you um, pretty much work Monday through Friday and then weekends, you try to squeeze in all Mm. that stuff. ministry wise that you couldn't get done in the week. And so, yes, it was a full-time job. Mm. I probably look back in between um, pastoring and also uh, a marketplace ministry. I was around 80 to 90 hours a week. Easily. Easily. Wow. Wow. Oh man. That sounds exhausting. Yeah. (laughs) I'm getting tired talking. That's why I found you. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, So, In in 2020, um, you reached out to me through my website, The Pastor's Soul. You'd been reading some of my articles. Uh, and uh, I'm just curious, do you remember what issues you were facing that led uh, you to ask for help? I do. Um, you know, COVID happened around March 2020 and the world shut down. Um, and I can honestly say for me that that paused, saved my life. Um, because I was running on E. Um, the issues I was facing is I was anxious. Um, you know, we had been through some um, issues at church with people 
leaving the church. And so I didn't really trust others very well. Um, my family would always say, um, you know, that that I was here, but not not here. So physically, I was here, but emotionally, mentally, I was not. Um, my spiritual disciplines were pretty much um, gone. Um, and so I was a mental and emotional wreck mm -hmm. to the point where, you know, I had thought about just kind of ending it all at some point, just walking away from life, ministry, family, just kind of everything. Um, and so I knew that I needed help. Um, I would wake up tired, go to bed, go to bed tired. Um, if people asked me to do anything, I was on edge. <laughs> I mm. was just angry. Um, so I knew that, okay, Cedric, something is wrong. And so um, I think I Googled um, pastoral burnout or clergy burnout, something like that. And then Sean's article popped up. Mm. And yeah. I'll never forget the first time. Ooh, this is getting me. I'll never forget the first time <laughs> I, um, because it takes me back. It takes me back to to that moment. And I remember reading Sean's article. And um, honestly, I just sat there and cried because it was like somebody was giving a voice to what mm. I was feeling. Because sometimes in the black community, in the black church, we don't talk about mental health and pastor burnout um you know it's like you go pray you go fast you go lay before god and it's gonna be okay um but sometimes it takes more than that mm -hmm. <laughs> and um i hadn't had anybody to just pour out my heart to because pastoring can be a very lonely journey um because you don't know who to uh, talk to and so that's kind of where i was when i found sean Mm, I remember that first conversation. You said, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Yes, I did. That's right. And I was very honest. I was very honest um, because I had so much bottled up. Um, I think one of the things, I think one of the first assignments Sean gave me was just journal. Mm -hmm. Just go somewhere quiet and just journal. And when I started to just start a journal, um, sometimes my tears would just wet the page because mm. for the first time I had all this stuff in that I was finally getting out. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, that, that was a major turning point for me. And I was going to ask you, Sean, you know, um, so what do you do with a hot mess like Cedric, right? <laughs> As a coach, right. what, what's your strategy uh, when well, you get that yeah, phone call? So coaching pastors through burnout is a little bit different than our normal coaching profit mm -hmm. process. Um, uh, I know what it's like to be a hot mess. I was in that place. Mm -hmm. And so um, being able to to say, here's what you're experiencing, here's what it's like, and, and speak with that kind of empathy really opens up the conversation. But then a pastor who's in burnout really needs to be directed for the first few months they need some help getting their feet under them and establishing some healthy rhythms before they're able to start exploring their own issues and what they want to work on. Um, normally in coaching, we would say, uh, you know, the, the coach is the, is there to help. It's the client who takes the lead uh, and decides what we're working on. But in coaching through burnout, the first few months, it's really directed by me yeah. and uh, some of the, the things that I know every pastor in burnout needs to work on. Mm -hmm. and, and Sean, that's so true because 
when you're a pastor and you're burnt out, you don't know what to do because pretty much you have this bad rhythms or patterns that have kind of got you here. And mm-hmm. so what is next? You're trying to figure that out. And so I would say, yeah, Sean just kind of guided me probably the first year, to be honest, um, just the first year, every call, Hey, um, Cedric, I need you to do this. Well, Cedric, have you thought about this? And um, that was great for me because it gave me some action steps, some things mm-hmm. I could do after the call. Yeah. I should, should say that, 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 coaching relationship isn't the same from pastor to pastor. Uh, it's still customized based on where Cedric was at. Um, and so we we explored really his story a little bit to start. And mm-hmm. I just listened for those common themes that I hear and figured out what's the most needful at this moment. And, uh, and we agreed on that together before moving forward. It wasn't like I was just telling him what to do. Uh, I was offering him here's here's some ways forward. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, that and that's a crucial component, isn't it? Just yeah. uh, being able to take the ownership of of what those are. And I, I don't know, Cedric, are, are you comfortable in sharing what some of the issues you and Sean have uh, worked on? Uh, in, oh, sure. In your coaching. Um, Remember, um, this is a family show. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, I have no problem. I think. Um, I would say one of the things that Sean and I worked on at first was um, me being a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my identity was rooted in the things I do. And so um, so because of that, you know, I always tried to dot every I and cross every T. Mm-hmm. And if things didn't turn out perfect, I felt it was a direct reflection of, upon who who I was. Mm-hmm. And so um, Sean had to work me through um, anchoring my identity in Christ and not the things I do. Mm-hmm. Big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was very helpful. Um, he talked about, I remember one session, we talked about your your true self versus your false self and how you show up. Um, and I had been showing up as my false self, um, you know, trying to put on this perfect image, this perfect face, getting it all all right. Um, and so we had to work through, um, you know, that it is OK not to have all the um, all, all the answers. Mm-hmm. It is OK to say, hey, I don't really have it today. Mm-hmm. You're not letting anybody down if you say, hey, I'm not 100 percent today. Yeah. Um, and so I would say that was one of the first things him, him and I worked on is just making sure that my identity was now rooted in a Christ. Um, the other thing, too, is he got me back to um, getting in touch with how I feel. Mm-hmm. Now, that that may sound very simple. But again, I was so used to, you know, doing that I was not feeling. Mm-hmm. And so I could have my task, my, my task list and just do it. You know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten. And so sometimes Sean would ask me, he would say, well, um, how do you feel about that? And I would pause <laughs> because it was like, how do I feel about that? <laughs> like, like it, it never I was in like this robotic mode of just mm-hmm. doing it 
that I never stopped and asked myself, how do I feel about that? Mm. And sometimes as pastors, I think it's easy to get there. You know, you got to show up to the meeting. You got to check the finances. You got to cast on and on and on that you never stop and say, where am I? I, and I think that just it, it highlights um, kind of the uniqueness of what we're talking about when we talk about coaching uh, mm-hmm. and PIR. Uh, I, some of our listeners might be listening, thinking, "Well, that's not coaching. That's that's counseling. That's pastoral <laughs> care." It's like, well, yes, that's right. <laughs> but if you're going to help someone to walk, sometimes mm-hmm. you have to, like you said, get your feet back underneath you and and just going through that. But I think the key is, and you've both said this, is that sense of partnership, mm-hmm. that that you're journeying together in this, uh, that, you know, as a coach, Sean, you're, you're a thinking partner, mm-hmm. uh, asking the questions that maybe Cedric, your situation or your context or just where you're, you're at, you're just not able to think of those questions. Uh, but then for you to, to own that and and to take responsibility that say, well, how do I feel? Okay. Sean's not going to tell me how I feel. Mm-hmm. He's not going to, you know, I give you the feeling wheel and you can pick something from there, but <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you need to come out of that. In this space too, especially coaching a pastor through a level of burnout. Um, one of the things that happens in burnout is that we lose our sense of self, which includes, uh, knowing and identifying our feelings. Um, usually pastors who who are in deep burnout have been stuffing their feelings for so long, they can't feel anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And so my job was to reintroduce Cedric to himself. And uh, that was part of the process. Uh, one of the things I'm most proud that Cedric did was, was work on his rhythms of work and rest. Um, Cedric, would you mention, talk about that a little bit? Uh, what was that like for you? Um, that was a game changer for me because, um, what I begin to put into practice, um, I don't get it right all the time, but I'm getting this still, I'm getting this being, being honest that I would take a, uh, 24 hour period during, during the week where I just pull away and just rest Mm. and do something that I enjoy doing. So, um, Normally, I would do it like Friday at 3 p.m. to Saturday at 3, 3 p.m. And that was kind of my time to just get away from the noise, um, go to the beach, go watch a good movie, um, relax. Um, And that was a really changer for me um, because what it did is it um, made me start to re-identify with the things I like to do. Mm. And it made me, um, I guess it almost refueled me, you know, where you're pouring out constantly that sometimes you need a chance to just be refueled. Um, and so that was helpful. Um, also, um, getting, getting back to your times of kind of prayer, meditation, quietness, um, getting back, back to that. Um, so yeah, that was, that was so helpful. Something I told Sean, <laughs> I, I told Sean in one, one session, I was like, Sean, I'm tired of crying in these sessions. Like I just, <laughs> I just, I'm tired of crying. Because what, what was so helpful, though, is whenever you had those like rhythms, for some reason, your 
you became more in touch with 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 your soul, like mm-hmm. what was going on inside of you. And then I could come back and say, hey, Sean, this is what's going on. This how how I'm feeling. And um, it was just a really game changer for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just so beautiful to hear too. I, I love that story of restoration of mm-hmm. God at work. Um, as as yeah, as you get back into those rhythms, and I I know your your work with Sean um, and and uh, the coaching actually started with your pro D um, mm-hmm. as as part of that. What was that like for you? How was the pro D helpful in in kind of being a part of everything that was going on? Well, it was terrifying at first. <laughs> it, was, it really was. It was terrifying because um, I was like, I'm just, oh, God, I wonder what this is going to be like. And to be honest, to be honest, um, I felt like this is probably going to tell me I'm doing a terrible job as a pastor mm, and I need to go yeah. do something else. Yeah. And because I'm a perfectionist, it's like it's going to tell me everything I'm doing wrong and but when I finally got the courage to do it, it was one of the best tools ever. Um, and I reference it, reference it often mm-hmm. um, because what it does, it, it tells you um, the things that you're good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and it tells you the um, areas that maybe you need to partner with somebody else in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really gave me a greater look at me. So that now I could kind of lean in to the things I do well and partner mm-hmm. with the things that maybe I don't do so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is OK. That has been a great change for the church, because now I know I am great at this. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to planning and forecasting and organizing, um, being empathetic. Um, helping people come along the journey of change. Um, I'm great at that. And then everything else else I'm not not so great. I got a team. I got a <laughs> yeah. wife who is amazing and they <laughs> do those things well. So. <laughs> <laughs> I let them run with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and so so really what it did is it saved me time. It saved me mm. time and energy. And I don't beat myself up so much now. <laughs> Mm. so it's been wonderful sounds like it just yeah provided some clarification in your context i mean yes still didn't answer all the questions but at least began to get things in in focus i always think of like a camera lens you know Mm. where everything looks blurry and then oh wow as as we work on this it it begins to come into focus more clearly Um, Sean, I'm curious, what, what's it like for you to coach a bivocational pastor? What are the, what are the <laughs> challenges? And Oh boy. I, one of my favorite moments was when we started talking about uh, the importance of practicing Sabbath. Um, and I introduced that to Cedric as a 24 hour period. And he thought I was crazy. Uh, he, he, was, he was like, you're nuts. There's, there's no way this can happen. <laughs> I did. I did. It's and, a true and so we, we started in little bits and pieces, you know, got him to find a few hours each day uh, so that we had 24 hours in aggregate through the week. Mm-hmm. And uh, pretty quickly he found out that wasn't enough. He really wanted that full 24 hour period. And um, I, I, I give him total credit on this. He He found a way to make it work. Yeah. Um. And uh, so for me, 
coaching a bivocational pastor, um, one, I have to ask a lot of questions because mm. that isn't my background. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm dependent on Cedric to tell me, you know, what his life is like and what will work and won't work. Um, but it also gives me a chance to push back and, and really challenge him too, uh, to think about the reality that none of us can work two full-time jobs continually um, all our lives. Uh, there, there's going to come a point where we have to decide what's most important and how much time and energy mm -hmm. we have to give to these things. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Cedric taught me as much uh, or more than I taught him in those first uh, few months, because I was really getting to know the life of a bivocational minister. Um, and, and there's also the, you know, the, the, the reality that I'm coaching a black pastor too. Mm -hmm. And right. so there, there's some, some racial, uh, differences between mm -hmm. the, the churches that we grew up in, some yep. cultural differences. And I had to be, you know, really honest that he has to he has to correct me when I say something stupid, uh, or when I uh really don't understand the culture that he's coming from. Uh and so uh, there was there was a lot a big learning curve for me in, in mm. coaching Cedric too. But well, boy, I, I, I am so thankful for it. Uh, I'll never forget Sean mentioned something. Um and Sean, you probably know it better, um, but he said, I think every uh, five to seven years, a pastor should take like three to four weeks off. And I never forget just looking at y'all like, huh, <laughs> like, are you serious? <laughs> but, you know, it now it makes so much sense because you need that time to really reconnect with God and really reconnect with you. And so I think those kind of targets Sean gives you have been very helpful to the point where um, I've kind of um, even shared that with my a church. You know, these are some of the sabbatical targets we should have. And I can honestly say they have been working towards that. And it's been wow. awesome. Yeah, it's it's been awesome. And and knowing Sean, I think you may have misquoted him. I, I think he, he probably said every five to seven years you need three to four months off. Yes, yes. For months, <laughs> not, right, correct. Thank weeks. you. Yeah, months. That's right, months. <laughs> Just and knowing that, Sean. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I looked at him crazy. <laughs> <laughs> because, because, and and let me give you some a context. Because um the church context I come from in the Black church, a pastor being gone three to four months, you don't have a church when you mm. come back. Mm. That's not that's not a practice that I grew up seeing. Right. So when he said that, I automatically thought, well, that's not even possible because you wouldn't have a church when you come back. But now I see that if you have a healthy church, you will even have a much better church when you come back. Mm. Wow. So th this dynamic of of coaching uh, has really impacted your church. I mean, it's impacted your life, obviously, uh, but impacted your church. Um, what are some other ways that, that you've seen that dynamic as you've been involved in coaching um, that that you've seen this healthy church uh, grow uh, and attitudes maybe changing? In, in other words, how are you starting to coach your church? Well, I think one of the biggest changes that I've seen, especially from some of the people who have been with us for a long time, um, before when they would come come to me and wanted to 
to to talk, they could tell I wasn't fully present. Like I was there in front of them, but my eyes were racing somewhere else. Uh, they could tell my mind was thinking about something else. Um, so now they tell me that, Pastor, you are so present now. That meaning that um, when I come and I talk to you, I feel like I get you. Um, and so that's that's something that I've really been able to share with my team as well, that whenever people come and talk, um, make sure that you're present for them. I would say the other thing, too, is I have made it OK not to be OK, mm-hmm. you know, that you don't have to um, just do it because it's on your list and you're supposed to that if you're having some mental or kind of emotional a challenge it is okay to say, hey, I need a break. Mm. Um, I've constantly shared with my church the importance of like rest and taking care of you. Um, there are sometimes we'll cut back on the events we have mm. so that people can have quality time. Mm. Um, and so those are some of the little changes you know we have made. And now our church is a lot um, healthier, happier, um, we really enjoy each other. Um, we've learned how to have um, healthy disagreements, mm-hmm. you know, where now because we feed our souls, a person can come to you and say, hey, I don't really like that. Or I have a question about this and you're not on edge. Um, you're not angry. You're not attackful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are just some of the changes that have been wonderful for us. Mm-hmm. Have you have you gotten direct feedback? I mean, have you have you had uh, members of your church say, you know, Pastor Cedric, you something different about you than two and a half years ago? <laughs> I I have. I would say the greatest feedback um, again comes from my wife and my kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not gonna cry today. I'm, I'm not gonna cry today. <laughs> but, and the reason I say that is because I never forget one Christmas um, after Sean and I had been coaching for about a year. Um, we were in the family room opening up a gifts and, um, and my kids were just talking and they were saying, daddy, you are really different now. You are really present here for us. And, uh, we really feel like we got you that finally we're really getting to know you. And that was such a big moment for me because, um, when I began pastoring, See, my kids were 15, 12, and 8. And so the first, I missed a lot of their lives mm. because I was always running and doing and running to a church member's birthday party or graduation. And my kids really didn't get a present father. And then whenever I was home, I was thinking about, oh, I got to preach on Sunday and, oh, this member said this Mm -hmm. and, oh, this member's upset about this. And so they really didn't get a present father. And so when they said that, when the kids and the (laughs) wife were just like, you know, honey, you're just more present. You seem um, happier now. Um, That meant everything to me. And so, um, you're going to get me crying. I know. I mean. You, you you just don't know how big I mean I'm just so praise serious. the Lord yeah. that was so big for me um, yeah. that finally because I never wanted my kids to grow up and hate ministry 
or be um, upset with God because they felt like God took their father. And I've been very honest with them that, you know, y'all, that that wasn't God. That was unhealthy patterns daddy had, unhealthy things I've learned. Um, so for them to finally say, hey, daddy, you're present. And we talk, we talk more as a family. Mm -hmm. We laugh more as a family. Mm -hmm. We go out more as a family. And yeah. And and the work's still getting done. And or the work, the work that needs done. to be done is getting done. And I've learned how to trust my team more. Mm -hmm. I for a long time I didn't trust them at all. Um, you know, I would take on a lot and try to do do a whole lot. And so to be honest, I really didn't make room for them because mm -hmm. I had to I felt like I had to do everything myself. And so yeah. now um I've seen the church grow. I've seen them evolve and they are a phenomenal team. Um a phenomenal team. So, Sean, I'm hearing uh, a couple things. Um, try to be alliterative in this. So, I'm I'm hearing trust is yeah. just key to to be able to to get to those levels of of uh, you know work that that often needs to be done. I'm hearing time mm -hmm. uh, as well. I'll stop with those two. Just just say a little bit about that. You know, as you approach coaching and and recognizing that oftentimes pastors are okay give me my three points so i can go and, and do them and and <laughs> i'll be mm -hmm. done yeah i think one of the keys to all of this is just how much work cedric did between coaching sessions uh honestly that's where the change really happens yeah um it's my job as a coach to help him figure out at least one thing he can do between now and the next coaching session um and make sure it's the right thing not just some busy work, but work that's going to have deep, uh, meaningful impact. And uh, with with Cedric, we coached twice a month for the first three months um, and saw some pretty incredible change uh, over those three months. I think at the end of three months, he went from being uh, from saying, I don't know how much longer I can do this to I'm excited about ministry again. Wow. Um, and yeah. that was really exciting for me to see uh, because he was doing the work. Um, so yeah, it was my job to, to earn his trust and then to help him decide what, what would have the most impact for him and his life, his ministry, uh, his health, um, in the next few weeks. Um, but it was really up to him to, 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 to own that and, and to do the work. So Cedric, as, as you think about, um, uh, coaching, if you were, talking to one of your pastoral colleagues, uh, what would you advise them uh, about coaching? What, what are the qualities that uh, you'd want to see in a, in a coach or that they should look for in a coach? Qualities to look for in a coach. Um, empathy, um, compassion. I think one of the reasons Sean is such an effective coach is because he's pastored uh, before. So he kind of knows what it's like um, and someone that you can tell really uh, cares and they're very concerned about you. Mm -hmm. um, someone who can listen well, because a lot of our sessions is me just kind of pouring out and talking um, and someone who can really listen. And I'll also say someone 
and I don't know how you do this. I, maybe it's just Sean's gift or something, but someone who can um, hear what you say, but also what you don't say. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's just a skill that you learn, but sometimes um, he was able to hear some things that I didn't say and he could help guide me along the right path. Um, so those are just some of the key things I would say, because it, this has been a great partnership that I think has turned into a friendship. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, and so and like Sean said, that he has, there's this trusted bond we have. So I can come to him with the good, the bad, the ugly. Mm-hmm. And I know that it is safe with him. Um, I know that he prays for me. Um, at the end of our sessions, you know, he'll take a time and he'll say, um, how can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. And you don't know how much that means that, you know, you got somebody who cares enough that they're going to ask you, how can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. And um, that has just been so helpful and it has healed so many areas in me. So Cedric, you have um, this background in finance. You're the chief financial officer uh, at the YMCA and you're passionate about uh, about financial health for pastors uh, mm-hmm. In our last coaching session, you talked about some of that passion. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. What, what financial mistakes do you see pastors and churches making, and what should they do about that? Um, I would say one of the challenges I see is um, not having your um, books in proper order, like your financials, your balance sheets, um, P&Ls, cash, cash flow statements, um, not having kind of that back office stuff. Um, in place. Um, it broke my heart whenever COVID happened. And a lot of the um, pastors that I know were not able to get government uh, funding that was available because they didn't have their back office things in a proper order. Um, so I would say definitely, you know, having your 501c3, um, having a good bookkeeping system, <laughs> um, also being able to manage your cash flow. Uh, meaning knowing exactly what your um, revenue expenses are, knowing what your net is, um, being able to have a proper forecast or pro forma, um, being able to, you know, project what the next, you know, six months, 12 months, uh, 24 months looks looks like, um, not having enough in like reserves. Um, sometimes with churches, you see that their payroll payroll line is 60 to 70 uh 70 percent of what they uh, what they take in so just knowing the proper kind of metrics to kind of look look for that really makes a church healthy yeah and and you're passionate about helping other pastors you know figure this stuff out right yeah i am you know one of the things that we've talked talked about sean now that um I have become more, much more healthy. <laughs> I've been thinking about, <laughs> um, I've been thinking about putting together like some, I don't know if it's like a financial workshop or financial teachings or something that just kind of um, help churches with their back office books, mm-hmm. you know, teaching them how to make sure they're sound and healthy Um so still exploring that. That's something that I've been kind of doing by the ones right now. Um, 
but I think that could be a ministry mm-hmm. that's brewing um, that could really bless a lot of churches. Um, and especially some sometimes whenever we try to get funding from the banks, it's difficult mm-hmm. because we don't have the proper back office stuff. And I was working with my banker um, about a year, year ago. And he says, he says, these are some of the best financials I've seen <laughs> a church. And uh, I was like, thank you. Um, so, yeah, that, that's just so I, I would say, yeah, I, I think that's where I think that's where I'm going. I do. Um, just being honest. Yeah, I do. It, it almost sounds like financial coaching. Ah, as, yes. a, as a pastor to be able mm-hmm. to get that that kind of coaching, because, you know, how many how many pastors are, are just gifted highly in administration and (laughs) you know that that's usually what what pastors say is you know god's called me to ministry not to administration Uh and and Uh yet um you know having uh someone to help coach you through Mm. what back office stuff looks like what what those financials could not that they have to learn how to do it correct but getting that team like you were saying so, sorry, right. all this stuff is like coming out. No, I mean, that's, that's exactly what you're saying. I think you're right on, Tom, and knowing what to look for. Sometimes mm. pastors just don't know what to look for. Like, is this mm. good or bad? Is this this? Mm. Or or how to spot danger. Mm-hmm. That's like pending. Um, mm. Looking for trends over 90 days and six, six months. No, mm-hmm. So, yeah, your time. I think mm. that's where we're headed. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are you going to do about that, Cedric? Tell me your plan, <laughs> Sean. We need to coach. <laughs> <laughs> talk about this. Um, uh, let me tell you how how good this is, though, uh, because uh, <laughs> because now before I make any like major moves, mm-hmm. I call Sean. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I call Sean and say, "Hey, Sean, because you because you know know me, am I taking on too too much right now? Am I doing too much right now? Do I need to scale back? Is this you know?" And so mm-hmm. him and I kind of talk about that because um, what I didn't mention is um, also in 2020, I went and got a master's from Duke in Christian a practice, and so I was in this rigorous academic a program while pastoring while working full time why not right i I know right (laughs) um and so that's how um pivotal sean was because i was on the ledge quite often and sean had to talk me off the ledge (laughs) Um, and so but yeah uh just uh finished see just finished up um july of 2022 so yeah i just just finished up and it's been Mm. amazing i'm excited um so I'm excited for, but this this whole concept of having I'm going to use the term thinking partner mm. uh, of mm. having a coach of having someone that you trust that you have a relationship with that you can go to and bounce ideas off of mm-hmm. and know that they're not simply going to to say you know well hey whatever you want to do or hey yeah that <laughs> sounds good you know they're going to ask the hard questions yes and, and say so how will this be different than uh april of 2020 mm-hmm. uh, if you make this decision right now mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. is that is that a relationship every pastor should have 
Absolutely. Sorry. Loaded. That's a bad coach uh, question. No, that no. I so, mean, that was so loaded. <laughs> I mean, in my opinion, yes. You know, um, I've known what it's done for me and my church and my family. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, to me, that's that's a yes. Like I told Sean, even though I'm doing doing better, we coach at least once a month mm-hmm. because um, I don't want to revert back to bad bad habits. And so um, I want to be accountable. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes Sean is always asking me, how's your rhythms going? Mm-hmm. How's your rhythms with work and rest? And because he knows me, he can probably tell when I'm getting off and mm-hmm. he'll <laughs> and he'll help, you know, gingerly point me back in the right direction. Um, and it's been great. <laughs> so thank you, Sean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cedric, I, I want you to just talk a little bit about your your uh, desire to help millennials um, and what you're doing in helping millennials with mental health. I did tell you about that. Didn't I? <laughs> um, well, you know, um, because this um, because I've learned so much about self care. Um, because again, I said about eighty percent of my churches fall in that millennial age age range um i've noticed that they too wrestle with mental health uh, challenges so what i did is um i guess we could say it was god through prayer just through you know different avenues um i came up with this program called healthy me and it's um we target the 5f principles which is faith family fitness, finance, and fun. So what we do is now we're teaching them kind of healthy principles in each of those five areas. Mm. Um, And I I wrote a grant for it. And lo and behold, I got the grant. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I know, right? I know. I'm just like, because, you know, I just did it like, you know, I'm going to give this a try. Yeah, what happens and um got 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 the grant and it's through partnership with duke university um and columbia university and so Mm. uh, partnering partnering with them um so that'll be launching in january um so yeah i I just i've just noticed that if we could teach them principles in those five areas that it could keep them from getting to the point where i was Mm-hmm. And then they can kind of manage um, their health better. And um, and I also noticed that after COVID, uh, it seems like the issue was worse because of the kind of isolation they had. Um, so, yeah, I'm very excited. I'm very mm-hmm. excited. And so mm-hmm. that, that's why when you said financial uh, coaching, I'm like, I think all this ties in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think any of this any of this would happen um, if I didn't learn this first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was probably um, the first participant in this <laughs> Healthy Me program. <laughs> and I, I mean, really, and I just kind of taken the things that I've learned and um, just kind of package it. And now um, we're going to see where this goes. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> Thank That's you. Exciting. Thank you so much. Well, Cedric, we... Uh, just have loved having you on here. We we 
invite our, our guests to share a little bit from their heart with our listeners. What, what words of hope would you like to offer uh, pastors and their families? Um, I would say um, I know ministry leading. I know it can be tough. Um, but I can also say that there's help um, where wherever you are, whether you're healthy, unhealthy, um, wrestling with different things, um, I would say be humble enough to find help. There is great resources there um, and you don't have to do this by yourself, mm-hmm. that if you're open, um, God will lead you to the to to the right person. Um, I would also say that there's um, your call and your purpose is too great not to focus on you and to do the self-work. Mm-hmm. Um, because even though we're gifted and we're called, um, you are more important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, I would just encourage them to find the help they need um, and a trust God in this. He's going to lead you. Mm. Well, Cedric and, and Sean, uh, thank you both for letting us take a peek inside uh, your coaching relationship, your friendship, uh, and just seeing what, what God is doing. Uh, Cedric, thanks so much for joining thank us you. today. Thank you. This has been fun. Thank you. And thank you, Tom. Tom, Sean, thank, thank you guys so much for everything. Yeah, and uh, Cedric, we're we're really happy that you came on the show. Thanks, thanks again, um, and we want to thank our listeners too for listening to Hope Renewed today. You can find more content and contact us at hoperenewedpodcast.com. It's our prayer that you find hope in Christ for healthy life and ministry. Thank you for joining us on Hope Renewed. Please help us reach more pastors by sharing this episode with your friends. If you enjoy this podcast. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google, or Spotify, or your favorite platform for receiving podcasts. Thank you. This means the world to us. The Hope Renewed Podcast is brought to you by PIR Ministries. At PIR, we partner with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration. Pastors, our goal is to help you cultivate new hope for healthy life and ministry. We do this by building relationships. We train both pastors and churches to promote a culture of ministry health. If you've experienced a forced exit from ministry, we provide a process of restoration for you and your family. We also have proven resources and tools to assist you in the challenges of ministry life. To contact us or to learn more about PIR, visit PIRministries.org.